Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book. It's called You Have the Watch, and it's available for sale on my website and on Amazon. In fact, it's already a number one new release and bestseller on Amazon. I'm really excited about this book because it's not actually a book. It's a guided journal for leaders to take you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you'll reflect on a different facet of that theme. This journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them, and this journal helps you practice those skills. If you're interested in this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com or Amazon to pick up your copy today. Now, if you're looking for other ways to support what I'm doing on this show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com. Podcast listeners can use the discount code DEEP at checkout to get additional savings. Well, that is it today. My guest is Caesar Hasselman. Caesar is an entrepreneur, author, mentor, coach, and business consultant. He has spent more than 20 years growing international businesses, and I was excited to sit down with him to listen to the things that he's learned along the way. Now, if you want to know what it's really like to start, maintain, and grow an international business, this is your episode. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Caesar Hasselman. Caesar is the CEO of AMH Consultancy. He is an author, mentor, coach, and business consultant. He has over 20 years of experience in business strategy, acquisition, succession planning, market share, team building, sales, marketing, and business development. His expertise is identifying opportunities and delivering creative solutions. And, and, and he's getting great results across a variety of industries. And I'm excited to get him on the show to learn from his expertise. So Caesar, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, and thank you for having me. So bring it on. Yeah, I'm, I, we're, we're, we're calling, this is just a long distance phone call here. Where, where are you physically located right now? Well, I'm in Brisbane, Australia. Oh wow! So, so we're halfway across the world with a, with modern technology doing this podcast. That's 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 pretty wild. Um, that's, so that's right. It's seven, it's seven p.m. for you. It's nine a.m. for me for your tomorrow. Right? Yeah, you're already ahead of us. So tell us how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us how the world is doing. <laughs> so. That's it. <laughs> Well, I wanted to start off, uh, just I wanted to give you a chance to tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I know you have a unique history and, and, and how you got into the world of helping business leaders. Yes, that, that's funny because um, I was 13 years old when everything started, right? Um, with, uh, we went to a friend of mine, my best friend, his cousin, she was having a party. It was her birthday. 
and suddenly the DJ didn't show up. And then what's happening is I say, okay, I used to play DJing myself at home and I like to mix music. That was my kind of thing that I love to do it with my 13 years old. And we went back to my place and I steal from my parents all the gears from the living area. <laughs> we set up that in her uh, um, uh, party and we just start to play the music and have some fun. So we are a little bit older than her. So we get the kids, we start to dance with them. We just enjoy the things, play music and dancing. And majority of the parents just say, oh, who are you guys? How long are you doing those things? And they start to ask us to do the kids party that was coming next weekend. And then we, suddenly we start to do two, three parties every month and became a business. Uh, his mom was helping us. They have a very, they very wealthy. So they have a very big structure that she offered to us uh, to be able to support us. And that became a business three years in a row. We have, we're doing three to four parties every day, every day from Friday to Sunday, um, recording a lot of tapes in that stage was tapes. Um, and then from there we start to get a taste of business. Um, my, my friend, he died very early and, uh, I left the business to his mom because she was the one who really took us for, uh, for the next level. She looked after the finance. She take, uh, she took us overseas to buy the best gears that we could. She makes the agreement and everything with the people that we was working for us. So those things I didn't touch much. We just having the, we just enjoying uh, our age and having fun and making some money um so in that place i start to realize okay it, it, it's good to be free to do the things that you like and enjoy life and that was the place that i start to have my journey in business so, so you got a you got a taste of uh entrepreneurship in a very uh young age that's right. And after that, I went to modeling. I did TV shows. I did um, theater. Um, so, and then I went to executive line. So when I was 16, 17 years old, um, uh, I have two friends that they have, the family has industries and they need to sell products uh, for supermarket and, and gas station. And I say, okay, that's a, that's a good place for me to make money. And then I, I start to knock in gas station places and I start to put it, the products in all gas station to arrive in the big companies. And I start to centralize the buy power that they have. Um, and then we became the, the biggest sales um, uh, in gas stations in one city. And they invite us to do it nationally. And then I went to key account and I started to do with supermarkets. And then I, I have uh, my country in, in the early 90s, the president has uh, took the savings and the cash flow of all the companies with the excuse to pay the international debt. And, and this put the, all the companies in a very dangerous place. And in my country, you are allowed to trade uh, invoices, right? So in that stage, you start the, the, the companies to keep surviving, they start to trade an invoice, but my client never order that order. It's just because they need cash flow. And this is start to destroy everything that we have built, right? And then from that, I, I went to work for Coca-Cola. And then in a Coca-Cola, I, uh, I was called to be part of a project from CCIL, which is the head office of the syrup that Coca-Cola had office. 
And then that project was about to discover the hotspots inside the supermarket and the different buy clients from the supermarket. So you have the, the people who goes uh, on a daily basis. You have people who go weekly, fortnightly, monthly, and everyone has a different emotional buying. And then you have the weekenders, which does barbecues and the, the party time. So um, the study was involved in say, what are the places that Coca-Cola or CCIL head office supposed to invest money to have the best emotional buying levels. And that's that's where we start to put the fridge in front of the counters. That's the reason why when you go to the to the barbecue area, you have some uh, soft drinks there. It used to be just Coca-Cola because we start that. Uh, that's where, where you're going to get a snack and then you have suddenly you have a drink next door to you. So all those things were, were, were growing between 30 to 45% on the average sales from the same shopping, yeah. you know? So they discover early age, the supermarkets, they discover that they need to sell the soft drinks and all beverage at the end of the supermarket because they make everyone walk through the supermarket. Uh, but then we have breakdown in pieces, which was a very successful uh, project um, and, and gave me a lot of visibility on on the national team that we have. And from there, I start, um, from there, I, I went to um, marketing company and was one of the biggest marketing company in my country. It was a national one who fights and, and, and with accounts against Ogilvy, McCann Erickson. So was a big player there. And in that world, the, the, the money speak louder, right? You don't have you don't have small budgets for marketing company if you if you do have the best brands on yourself. So anyway, and they have a little company which is not little; it's little for them because the budget's too big for big companies. But they have um, a, a small company was turning around twenty to to thirty million dollars um, a, a year, and they used to do that with one brand a month. So anyway, uh, that company was was something that they they took the folks away from it, and I say, you know what? That's a little company that I would love to be part of because they do have good products. They do everything after subsystem, you know, SAP system. So they used to do everything after as a subsystem in a much cheaper way, and, and I say, oh, I would love to be part of that company, and in in some way somehow. I got out of the, the, the marketing company and start my own company with the same model of that company. And that company started to crash in business partnership. And I say, you know what? Um, if you guys would like to jump on board and, and start with me here, I have potential good clients. And, and I made a very good deal with an industry group. And we started the company. I start with five people in my, in my, from my living area. And in 18 months, we have probably 20-something people. In less than two, two, in less than three years, we have 120 people working for us, and we we just we're just going for for a lot of the big brands. And because we have the background with a big marketing company, we have we have some good connections and relationship that allows us to grow that quick, um, which was awesome. But at the same time. We learn a lot, and and that's where I start to arrive in a place to help companies because I need consulting myself. Um, 
when you grow that quick, what's happening is your finance, your processes, uh, uh, your people, uh, the way you pay tax, the way you pay your superannuation, uh, all those things, they start to get a little bit blurry if you don't have the right people doing the right thing that can also adapt themselves for the growth, right? So grow is not the point. Grow is not a problem. The problem is be ready for the grow before you grow. And that's a learning curve that I have learned from my business, going so many different industries, having solutions for so many different people, and and find myself in a place three years later that I need to look back and fix all the growth that we have had with a lot of problems that we could not see it because we're growing too quick. Mm. Yeah, so what? That's what? where. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Say again. No, that's 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 where I start to 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 arrive from the good growth momentum towards to the fixing problem situation. You know, we became the second biggest in South America in our in our industry, right? And we just not at the first one because the first one was owned by one big private bank. And they making that company grow no matter what because they 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 looking to sell the company later. So it's no other way around to 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 compete with them. They just have a uh, they have more years of experience than us, uh, but also they have a bank that was losing money for a while to make them uh, the profit at the end. To one once they can sell the business with a market share, right? So for, uh, and and then I spend two years and a half to try to fix the growth of those three years. And then the cries arrived in 2008. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what did and, you learn? Just, you know, curious, you know, you're talking about how you started this company, it grew really quick, and you had to spend time fixing it. What are some leadership lessons you learned through that, that, you know, as you started your own company, you brought people on board, you grew very fast. What, what, what did you learn about yourself as a leader through that process? Oh uh, yeah, I have uh, from the start. I was cocky, right? Um, I, I my 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 dad was a, a big HR person and and a big executive. He did acquisitions around the planet, and I invite him to help me. And I asked dad, please come and help me. And then the first punch in my face that I have received was a, a nice message from my dad saying that. Uh, yeah, we need to pick some stuff, but I, I don't want to tell you that. But I, I read, if I was working for you, I'm not going to be happy with your style, right? And the reason why is I was 100% motivated. I am the guy who wake up 4 o'clock in the morning, and then I need to do it. I do it no matter what. And and your team is not like that. People that work for you, um, they cannot have that pressure that that pressure in their shoulders. That's you. You need to understand that if you are hungry to grow and you're motivated to grow, you need to understand people and allow them to be themselves, accept who they are. Then you're gonna take the most out of them and they're gonna take the best out of you. So it's a it's a win-win relationship there. And in a young age, being successful for a while and and not believing much in what people say. I just would like to see from my own eye, I believe was um, a big learning curve to allow yourself to stop to be cocky and understand people better and allow people to be themselves and stop to put in people that they target for your company because 
their personal target is much bigger than your company target if you allow them to be themselves. Is this maybe conf- it's a little bit confusing? Yeah, I think you're right. I think what what you're saying a lot, of, you know, in essence, when you start a company like that, it's all you, right? It's all your hustle. It's all your hard work. And if you just work hard enough, you're going to grow. You're going to succede. And then you hire a few people, and you continue. You continue your hustle, but then over time, you realize that I need I need the I need the the entire team. I need all the collective wisdom of all these amazing people if I'm going to really grow. And it can't just be me, my personal efforts, hustling and moving. I need a group of people all motivated through personal objectives to meet the company growth, right? So it sounds like you learned, uh, similar to myself, when I ran my first manufacturing plan, I thought I had to have all the answers, but it turned out all the answers were really in the heads of my employees, and I had to get to I had to build relationships with them to be able to understand them, and and then and let them bring themselves, you know, and their own personalities to to the company and bring all their ideas and passions. and And uh, once I did that, I realized, well, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the hustle. I can, you know, we can I can do great things through other people, and that's really what leadership is all about: is doing great things through others. That's that's completely right. Actually, what the 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 big learn that we had that that we we learn at the end is if you allow people to commit mistakes and you guide them through their mistakes to fix them quicker, yeah, then you're gonna grow and then your culture gonna be built in a place that people are gonna stop to be reactive to become proactive. That's the biggest problem, you know. Yeah. And then if you compare. Because if you compare culture with environment, um, which is it's, it's pretty much they walk hand to hand. Yeah. Um, I believe the culture is how can you allow people to be able to be themselves, to deliver the best of themselves to us to the company needs and take the best of the company to us to their personal needs. That's that's a kind of culture that's good for you to create. It's hard as a leader if you try to 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 macro-manage everything. But if you think that as a business owner, you're supposed to have the right to have more time for your personal needs and your family and friends, and you're not having a company to create you a job, you're supposed to do that anyway. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. Part of the problem with you know entrepreneurs, and I'm an entrepreneur myself, so we we put we put the world on our shoulders, right? And we feel like we got to carry the burden of everything. And um, and the problem is, and I think you point out, is that we don't have a good uh, work life balance, right? So we, in fact, that's why a lot of entrepreneurs burn out because they try to carry everything on their shoulders. They don't realize that they have a team of people around them that 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 are willing to carry the carry some of the burden themselves right and so entrepreneurs especially business owners if when they start their business from scratch have a hard time letting go 
of that and letting other people. And so they end up carrying all the burden and they ended up stressing out. They, they end up um, becoming unhealthy. Uh, they don't sleep. They don't, uh, they drink a lot of coffee. They don't get any exercise and they have no work-life balance. Right. And I think what you're saying is, is that it's, it's not the right approach. And the right approach is, you know, give, give that, uh, give your team the authority to get things done, motivate them to get things done. And then you're, then you have a chance to have that, to be able to relax a little bit. You've got other people helping you pull. It's not just you pulling the rope. It's everybody pulling the rope. And I think that's a big part that I think uh, every entrepreneur needs to learn that lesson because we tend to try to carry too much of the load ourselves. That's right. I believe that the key point is delegate with responsibility and being a leader is is a mentorship, is a guidance uh, place, is not having all the answers place and that's where people get lost you you don't need to have all the answers and even even if you do you're supposed to give space for them to find an answer that could be better than yours yes if you if you allow people to bring their life journey and skills to us to the day-to-day activities what's going to happen is they might not doing the things that you want them to do it the way that you want them to do it but they might find a way that's a shortcut or a better way to do what you do because you're not the same person. Right, right. right. So, and the, the magic of being a good leader is uh, when you can accept that mistakes going to happen and you're going to need to deal with it because you are the guy who eats that frog. And that's what people don't, don't, don't get it. I have a, I have a, 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 a friend of mine. I used to say, uh, a good friend of mine, but unfortunately he died last year. Uh, and he was actually more uh, the father of, of a couple of my friends. And we just got a very good sync as a person. And as I grow, we have some opportunity to help business from each other. I don't need to help his business. He was the biggest um, cellulose paper uh, uh, industry in South America. But um, I could point the finger in places that he was trying to do things that I was with good relationship and in some stage, I have a competitor uh, in my distribution center that was uh, was paying to be in that first place of buying from a big group. And he helps me. I give him a call. He was knowing the owner of that group. And and he gave him a call and say, hey, um, he's opened the avenue for me to introduce my products. And I became the one who they bought it from, from uh, more. And this guy, he used to have a shell with 17 different frogs, right? And every single frog that he has there has a name, you know. Between us, uh, he has his wife. He has, because he is a family business, but it's a huge family business, um, he has his brother that uh, fights with everyone. He has his CEOs. He has the president of his bank, blah, blah, blah. He has everyone that he needs to deal there. And then he say one day he pushed me and say, hey, Caesar, he, he called me little Caesar and say, come here because I was pissed off with things. We, he has a, a foundation uh, that I was a member of that foundation, helping him to, to help some kids in an island to have some education. And, and uh, anyway, I'm drifting away from the point. But then oh, we no. went to, <laughs> I'm sorry, we went to his, his office and then he pointed for me and say, hey, Caesar, come down, come down, come here. Let me tell you something. To be able to take uh, the best results for people, I'll tell you what I do. 
and and he point for uh, his brother because his brother was the father of my girlfriend, right? <laughs> so that's 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 the environment that we know each other. And his his brother was not easy easy person, uh, the easiest uh, person in my life anyway. But then what he what he said is he's pointing to his father, uh, brother and say, hey mate. When I'm like you and I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated, what I do is I come here, I lock my door, and I point the finger on my this this frog nose, and I tell him a naked, real history with the words that I would like to throw in his face, and I just put it down here for as long as I need. Okay, so once I put that out, and I feel that okay, what will be the washback? What be, how he gonna correlate to my message? And I start to understand that for the same outcome, I need to work in my speech. Then I say, okay, I'm ready to talk to him again. But until then, I don't do that. And every single one here, I do the same. And then I say, and then he has only one frog that was a female frog. And I say, I bet this is your wife. I say, yes. And I talk to her every day. <laughs> so you talk to your frogs to get the uh, the message out, and uh, or at least practice it, and then you can uh, modify your message before you have the real conversation. Yeah, for, why for not? For the best outcome. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then from there, I start to teach my clients to do the same thing in a different way. So I learned this in my early um, early twenties, right? Um, and then what I do today is every time that I have a client that pisses off with the team of with clients or if you have big clients like you work for the government and they owe you two three million dollars and they don't want to pay that and you need to find a way so what i do is uh we break down the whole history and we say as supposed to no no filters right you just put it down everything in the way that you'd like to talk and you put it the dirty words that you wanted you put your emotions on that letter okay you write a mail for yourself you don't yeah. send for anybody else and then what you do is you finish that mail, you feel good, you send to yourself, you sleep it on that for one or two days, and you read next day or the day after, right? Yeah. And then once you do that and we have another meeting, we're going to arrive on the best outcome. And then we can deal with that frog. That's my version to do what he used to do on his Day to day. Yeah, yeah. No, that's powerful advice. I know uh, I had a boss that never, he said, never send an email when you're angry, right? Uh, and he, he, you know, he would say, draft it up and then same thing, sleep on it and then look at it the next but day. Send it. Yeah. But send to you. Send it to yourself. Sending for someone. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you push that button is send. It's just <laughs> a magic that runs. They say, I send that. So I, yeah. I did it, you know, yeah. but you send it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. And then you can look at it and say, do I really want to send this message? Is that really what I want to communicate? And uh, so, before you open, you put yourself in the other person's shoes. Okay, yeah. so you need to to swap heads and you say, okay, if I was the CEO of that company and I have this situation here, and I have a supplier that's small like me or big like me or whatever, with this project that's so important for them to be delivery, how are I gonna treat this situation? Then you start to read read that under their shoes because the emotions you already deal with it before. Mm, yeah. yeah. And then we start to talk about it. And then and then as a consulting or a mentor in that case, we start to say put things in place to be able to the outcome, which is we want to receive that money. And if you have someone owing you in that case, in this history that which was a real one was a $5.8 million in, in bills wow. that the government doesn't want to pay him. Wow. And 
And we got it. We got it, but we got it in a way that was, was very hard because they don't have the budget. They expose for the, the federal budget because they need to ask for more money. It was, a, it was a, a complex situation, and we need to expose them in so many different ways to be able to, to get the money. But uh, you need to understand that when you fight, if when you have a business that's going to fight for that, you might going to have a big washback. You might get your money, but you might going to suffer two or three years there to be able to have a new agreement with a government, right? But but you need to know which fight to pick and how you'd like to deal with it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I have a question for you. Uh, you know, you're dealing with a lot of small and medium business owners and, and entrepreneurs and leaders. What are some of the biggest problems that people come to you for? What are the kind of things that they're stuck in? Or uh, is it like you where they grew too fast? Or what are some of the challenges that you deal with? With business owners, yeah, the, the, I believe the biggest challenge is to accept the real problem. Um, they they usually come into you. The, the, I believe the biggest challenge that I have my whole life in consulting and coaching and mentoring is discover what they don't want to tell you, mm. right? Because the people people have the feeling that what they need, but majority of time they don't know exactly what's the problem. Mm. You know, so. Uh, uh, making them understand, making them comfortable enough to understand that what they're saying to you is it's it's good, and you saw a lot of that. But what makes that happen is actually not what looks like that's your problem. And then make them realize that in a place that I am there as a potential taker because I would like to sell my services and say whatever you tell them. And I have a funny history on that. Whatever you tell them that the problem is not what they think and it's another thing looks like too silly. Looks like that you're trying to catch them to right. get more money out of them, right? So if if you're out there and you can see the problem and you are a business owner, entrepreneur, try to understand that that problem has a cause that you maybe don't know what it is. And if you're going to talk with someone that's really understand what they're doing, be open for criticism in a positive way because you might going to discover something that you don't know about your company. Yeah, yeah. We tend to be very sensitive, right? It's our baby. You know, as an entrepreneur, like my company is my baby, right? Yeah, and yeah. if I go to a consultant and I say, my baby's not feeling very good, and they, and they look down and they say, well, your baby's ugly. <laughs> you say, wait, <laughs> my baby here, you know? <laughs> no, the problem, I don't believe you're going to say that your baby is ugly. We're going to say, hey, he's not feeling well because you're doing yeah, yeah. Before that, yeah. You know, so to be able to grow your business, and if you if you are entrepreneur and you really you really love your baby, be open that to to understand what Albert Einstein told us many many years ago is the brain who brought you at the place that you are now will not be the same who gonna bring you to the next level. Be open. You can be the one to do yeah. it if you yeah. can self-develop yourself and allow different things to go. I used to, I used to have a guy in my company that every single big company wants him to be the, the guy who does the, the design stuff, right? And he was very good. But to deal with him, oh, Jesus, was, was a nightmare. He doesn't respect the culture. He doesn't respect time. He talks to people like they are very below his his level. Um, he was a nightmare to keep in the office, right? 
but he was very good to delivery. And, and I discovered that he works better when he's at his home at night doing his own thing, right? I discovered that's the reason why he arrives always late. So his time, his time cycle, his personal, and I call that in my book, because I say you have your personal cycle, you have your business yeah. cycle, yeah. you have yeah. the industry cycle. So his personal cycle, and I learned from that. So his personal cycle was 5, 6 p.m. is the best time for him to start to work. Don't try to put this guy to work 8 to 5, yes. right? Yeah. And then he's not a team player. Don't try to put him to, to have a team. Just make him a, a only star, right? So and then with him, what I have done is I took his chair away. I took his desk away from the office. I put in his, his house. I pay 30% of his cost of living on his unit, right? Because he needs to do his stuff. He needs to smoke stuff. He needs to bring girls. He needs to be crazy to be to be in his kind of uh, tune to do the crazy good stuff that people love, right? Um, and that's where we need to sit. We need to allow we need to allow that 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 people can find and tune the cycle to be able to deliver the best of themselves. And or you accept that or you don't work with them. Yeah, that's a great, that's a really good point. I know, you know, I write about it in my latest book about a, a sailor I had working for me on the submarine. He was my worst sailor and he was always getting into trouble. Uh, and the main reason that he was bored, right? He he was, you know, whenever he was bored, he would, he would get into all sorts of trouble on the boat. But I found it is that he was actually brilliant and I needed to get him, I needed to use his expertise more, use his brain more. And, his, and, and the more and more I got him involved with really difficult maintenance uh, procedures, uh, when I got him training the new reactor operators, suddenly he, he was never bored and he was excited and he loved what he was doing. And he became my, we went from being my worst sailor to my best sailor because I figured out his cycle, his, you know, his, the way he worked, right? And, and I captured that. The same thing with this employee, right? He was, he was creative. He was wild. Uh, but he was, he was really good on his own. He needed to be kind of isolated, left on his own and, and kind of allowed to do his own thing to be able to bring his best to the company. And I think we have to recognize that not everyone, not every person's the same. We're all different, right? I always say that people are messy and, uh, and, and we don't, we don't, we're not all, we all come with different histories. We come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different experiences. And so we see work differently. Every person that works for my company sees work differently than I do. And we have to be flexible enough to just sit back and allow them to bring their own personalities to work and their own, their own unique way they see work. Uh, and, and, and it's hard to do. We Because we, like you said, leaders, we want to force everybody into the same, no, here are the working hours. Here's what you must do. Here's how you're going to get along. And yeah. that person would have never fit into that uh, box, you know? And so, that, yeah. yeah. So I think it's a really but, important, important lesson. That's it. And that's another thing that we have in family business, entrepreneurs uh, and, and business owners that they take, they, they get attached to the people that's there for the money and they, they cannot say no for those people and there are no reason why. And they usually ask to leave people that they cannot deal with, but usually those people are the ones who break through the culture to bring the, the best part of yourself back to the game. So um, when you have a conflict situation with an employee and you are the business owner, sometimes you don't like to be told. And actually, if you pay attention, the people that you ask to leave, sometimes 
are the best potential people that you can work in your business. And the people that you're supposed to have to leave and you keep in the business, that you find excuse every day to keep them working for you, they are the one that you should cut straight yeah. away. Yeah. So, and that's when that's when we say, oh, we, we mess it up because uh, we want to create a business to feel comfortable with. So we are the king of the mountain on that, that place. That's wrong. Because you're creating a job for you. You can be the king of the mountain in your business with the right leadership without needing to be present. And that's where you're supposed to create your business to go through. So you need to have a business to work for you. That's what I do. That's the sense of where I arrive in my in my years of experience. To translate that those businesses that you need to be there, you're losing your kids' time, you're losing your personal life time, and you are the business owner, you make good income, but you cannot get away from the chain that you have created. Those are the clients that I love the most if they are open to get away from the stagnation mode. Make sense? Because yeah. on, on if, you, if you get the, the life cycle or the life journey of a business, you, you have the start point, and then I have four key names that I named those steps. Uh, I just don't would like to sell, uh, to to look like that I'm selling something. So, but you you have you have four steps in your in your life cycle, and one of them is when you arrive in place that you're comfortable with, you still want to grow, but you're not that hungry anymore. I call this a stagnation. Okay, so you have you have two levels of stagnations. You have the stagnation that's a bad one because you're being lazy or you're not committed with everything and you have the stagnation that you know where you're at and you're happy with. So there are two points. And then all, all from stagnation, you go for circulation mode, which is you start to get more motivated to do new stuff or to start to find different ventures and you start to get more curious of, of what, what else you have in the store, right? And then from the circulation, you start to get the growth. Right, and then from the growth, you're gonna arrive in stagnation back again because you one day one day you're gonna stop saying oh, I'm big enough now I don't need to be worried about anything and I, I'm gonna just keep cruising right. That's a stagnation. But then in all those levels, and I have learned early stage with my companies, if you not start the company knowing how the end looks like, you're gonna get lost because yeah. you might gonna get stagnated at the place that you're not supposed to. Right. Or you start to get growth at the place that you're not supposed to either. Yeah. You know? So you need to know the end goal from, from where you're going to before you start it. Because if you set up like that, you save time and money for the place that you'd like to arrive. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I know you have a lot on your on your website. You have a lot of resources that people can find, right? To talk about a lot of this. In fact, I think you have a book that you can that you can access, right? Yeah, so the book will be launched in 30 days, but I already put it some stuff online uh, in my website, cesarhasman.com. Um, the book calls the, the Life Breakthrough. It's supposed to be a pocket book just to, to show the part of the emotional side uh, and uh, to, the, to the reality show side of a business and a mindset takes you to your personal life too. And just allow you to break down those those phases to help you to make better decisions. Just to clarify, not just the emotional side of the business that nobody likes to to see as a reality, but the fact is you you make calls based in your emotions. If they're positive or negative, doesn't matter. The emotion is a conclusion of where you're going with all the content that you have learned from that specific need. 
right? So, uh, and some stage you don't do deal with people at all. And even if the business makes sense, right? So, um, and then the books explain those phases. I break down in seven chapters and those, those chapters, they, I approach specific things and I bring all, all the matters, the, the, the physical, the mental, the spiritual, and I just light on them. I don't tell people what to do. I guide them through to have their own conclusions. Um, I hope that people are going to like it. But it's not 100% uh, finished uh, because my English is not my first language. I do need help to do grammar checking, spelling checking more than usual. Um, <laughs> but but we'll be out will be out in the next 30 days and i'm giving away for for people that uh is hearing for us today as well if you if that's something that that i can do sorry <laughs> yeah that's fantastic no i think it's great i've been on your website i think it's fantastic there's a lot of great resources on there i mean if you're a small to medium business owner and uh you're struggling you know work-life balance you're struggling to grow you're struggling with boredom maybe that you're or you're stay you're stagnated this is a great resource. So how can uh, people find out more about you uh, and uh, your company? Okay, yeah. So they can jump on the website. The website has everything. They have the emails there. They have the, the, the phone number. Um, I have, uh, under, under the consulting, um, uh, I have space for people to share the thoughts. And, and I share the thoughts with, with them too. So it's a, I try to make that very much alive the website alive that people can correlate to the problems without needing to pay upfront anything you know okay. I, I, that's yeah. that's the other thing as a consulting coaching if you cannot show value why people are supposed to take you on board with so many people out there selling uh shortcuts without knowing exactly right. what's behind the scenes happen yeah. um i'm pretty much believe that people needs to be very conscious to to try to poke the coaching, consulting, mentoring people as deep that they can before they, they put the credit yeah. card on the table. Yeah. I agree you know? 100%. And the other thing, the reason I wanted to have, have you on the show is that you you come from experience. In other words, you're, you're teaching, coaching, training, helping uh, entrepreneurs, but you've been through the entrepreneur journey yourself. You've started when you were 13 years old, right? You know, mm -hmm. you started and you built a company, you know, a small company into a very large company. So you've been through all these cycles. And I think... You know, again, if you're going to learn, if you want to help yourself, find people that have been there and done that, you know, and I think that's why I want to have you on the show. And Caesar, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing these stories. And again, I really encourage um, listeners to check out his website, check out this new book coming out later this year, because I think it's a great resource for you and your, especially if you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, this is something that's really going to help you. So Caesar, thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, mate. I appreciate I appreciate that you opened this channel for me. Uh, I appreciate that the, the whole history, your background, and everything that I could see about you is, is amazing too. I would love to talk more about it. Um, <laughs> I believe I believe you do have a good a good uh, uh, team behind you and also a good brain to share. Um, I wish you can be the the person to interview yourself in your own, own program <laughs> yes. one day. Yes, uh, I, I believe your people deserve that. And I'm, I'm more than happy to be part of it. I really enjoyed this conversation. And, and I'm here at any time of the week if you guys want me uh, to talk more, uh, more about anything. That's fantastic. Well, we really appreciate it. But thank you, mate. <laughs> well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well.
Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid.